0: Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Notin. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talking to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe 2 share your favorite episode on social media 3 buy me a pizza log on my website loranota.com/podcast and click on the icon buy me a pizza interviews is brought to you by social prize a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005 social prize Specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth, hacking. Log on their website, socialprizeprise.me. Hi, thank you for listening. My guest today is Rachel Bider, the founder of Press Modern Massage, a group of award-winning clinical massage studios. Rachel has made a career about empower, empowering, it's a difficult word for me to say, the French guy, wellness professionals to start and grow their own practices. Hey, Rachel, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Cool. Let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming an entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I started out as a nanny and a waitress and a dog walker. Uh, I worked in retail, I was doing a lot of odd jobs in New York City. Um, I also grew up with scoliosis, which is uh, that sort of curvature of the spine, and I had a lot of back pain. Mm. And I realized, uh, you know, through, through the various careers that I was doing that I just wasn't very happy. And I decided to go to massage therapy school. Um, after I had actually taken a trip to Thailand and I took a Thai massage class there and it was so much fun. I came back to New York and went to massage therapy school at Swedish Institute, which is the oldest massage school in the country, actually. Uh, cool. And I started my private practice about six months after graduating. Um, and at the time I realized I just I had no money to start a business. I didn't know what I was doing. I was terrified. Um, but I knew I didn't like working for other people. I also could not afford to open my own location. So I started to look for opportunities that didn't cost money. So I found a physical therapy office in my neighborhood and I asked them, do you have massage here? They said, no. And I said, well, your patients are more likely to come back for physical therapy. If they're getting free massages, let me work for you for free. I'll do 10 or 15 minutes on each client in exchange. Let me use the space when you're not using it. And they said, Mm -hmm. okay so uh, I started my practice by trading my time for space and um, that was in May of 2008 and by August I had 110 clients I was super busy wow. uh, I moved into a, a bigger space and yeah that's how I started
0: <laughs> wow, 110 clients in what like four months
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and for me it's like I was working for you know I was working in a spa a couple of days a week and I was also working for free um, so I realized It's very hard to get one client at a time, uh, but it's easy if you can get to one person who's gonna send you a ton of people. So at the time I didn't have money for advertising, uh, but I found that if I was reaching out to people that I knew my clients were seeing already, so like uh, the kind of clients that I wanted to see were already seeing. So for example, um, hairdressers, they see 50 clients a week and they're standing like this all day, you know, cutting hair Mm. and drying hair. So they have a lot of back pain and I was trading massage for haircuts and then I would give them a stack of cards, like here's $20 off your first appointment for new clients. And they would give these cards to their clients. And the same thing, I targeted personal trainers, um, personal trainers, their clients are sore. They can afford training and they care about their health. So it's like a very good uh, referral for me. So I was trading massage for training and then they would send me all of their clients. Um, the same thing with chiropractors, acupuncturists, just a very B2B approach to get new people in the door.
0: Wow, well, that's Very clever. And apparently it worked very well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I I opened my first location, just me. And then um, I hired a couple of people. And uh, right before COVID, we had four locations. I just opened the fourth and there were 48 of us. But unfortunately with COVID, we had to close two locations. Um, And uh, I'm not sure when this will be released, but... I have some top secret news about a potential third location. We're about to sign a lease, <laughs> but my lips are sealed so far until it comes out, but uh, we'll make the announcement when we can, but I excellent. haven't told anyone yet. Yeah,
0: Ex- excellent. So you've recovered from COVID.
1: Yes, um, we are back on track. Uh, we, we were making about 2.2 million annually um, in sales, and we've just done over 10 million in lifetime sales and we're back on track to, to get back there. So that's exciting.
0: Wow! So starting with nothing, no money, then you went from zero to ten million of sales with yes. four locations. Yeah. In in how long? How long did it take to achieve that? Um,
1: so it did take some time. Uh, but, you know, but having a private practice is a very different experience than managing a team of people. Um, my first location, it, it, it was a commercial suite with uh, one treatment room, and we found a different suite in the building that had we were able to build three rooms, and then a couple of years later, I. Took a second suite and built three more rooms, and a couple of years later, I took you know. So the first location took me, I think about six years to get to nine treatment rooms. The second location was about five years old. The third location was two years old, and the fourth location was brand new. So mm-hmm. all together, I started this thirteen years ago. So it took about it took about thirteen years to get there. Yeah,
0: it's not it's not bad still. Yeah. And- I mean, I'm going to talk about that now because usually usually I ask the question at the end, but yeah. we, we're hot right now. So what were all the lessons that you learned along the way?
1: Oh my gosh, so many. I think the first thing that I learned, um, I well, a few, I, I tend to be a perfectionist. Okay. <laughs> and this has gotten in my way so many times because I would spend so many hours trying to make something perfect and I'd be very upset if it wasn't perfect, you know, and and I'm putting air quotes around perfect mm. because nothing is ever perfect and mm. it's better done than perfect. If it's gonna take you hundred hours to do something perfectly or one hour to do it at like 90%, what's a better use of your time, right? Like, So for me, progress over perfection was something I had to learn the hard way um, and letting go of this idea that it has to be exactly a certain way. It's like, no, it doesn't, it just has to get done. Um, and also when it comes to trusting other people, they're not always going to do it exactly how I would do it. And that doesn't mean that it's wrong or bad. It just means that it's different. And if it gets done, that's what matters. Um, the second thing was when I opened my second location, I remember just trying to do everything myself, feeling like I have to do everything all by myself. This is all about, you know, uh, I can do it. I don't, I don't need help. You know, and that's like the biggest mistake you could possibly make as a business owner is thinking you have to do everything alone and that Mm. no one else can do it the way I can. And that, you know, it's just, it's all these myths about delegation. And for me, because I was trying to do everything alone, I was spread way too thin. Um, I felt like I was failing all the time. It was a terrible feeling and I was starting to burn out.
0: Mm.
1: And I recognized something has to change because I'm miserable. Like I'm trying to do the bookkeeping, the marketing, the hiring, the cleaning, the like literally every single thing that needs to get done to move a business forward. I was trying to do it by myself, which meant I felt like I was dropping balls everywhere because I was. Um, And so when I learned to identify, I made a list basically of what needs to happen to move the business forward on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, yearly, you know, in future, what needs to happen. And I started to identify, okay, here are areas I love to do that light me up that I'm excited about. I'm going to do those. And then here are some areas that someone who is unskilled could do or or not as trained, like the cleaning or the laundry. Here are some areas that someone with a little bit of training can do, like the blogging. And then here's something that I want someone highly trained to do, like the legal work or, uh, you know, taxes, accounting. And I started to just very slowly take some things off my plate and pass them on to other people. And I can't tell you what a relief it is when you have a team of people who supports you that you trust and you empower them. You know, and another thing I learned was I was having decision fatigue. I was trying to do way too many things. So I was trying to make huge decisions and tiny decisions. And it's exhausting that, that volume of decisions. And so I decided... I'm gonna empower people at the lowest level in my business to make some decisions. uh, And I I don't wanna be involved in the process, I want them to tell me after. So for example, with my front desk, if something costs less than $50 to fix, go ahead, take care of it, tell me about it after. Don't tell me, hey, this thing broke, what should I do? Tell me this thing broke, here's what I did, here's the receipt, you're welcome. And I'll say, oh my gosh, thank you, wonderful. You know, don't even tell me about it that day. Tell me about it once a week in a stand up meeting. I don't need to know about it immediately. Right. And at higher levels, that number has gone up over the years. So if there's a problem and it's less than, call it $500 for my operations manager. Go ahead, take care of it. I don't need to be involved. And all of a sudden, the volume that I was dealing with, the volume of decisions, the volume of problems just got quieter and quieter. And my brain was free to explore more innovation, more strategy, more networking, Mm. the things that you should be doing to move the business forward and not like, what do I do about the water cooler that broke? Yeah.
0: And now I'm I'm sure the question in your head is like, why did I, I didn't start before? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think because it can feel in the beginning, very scary. It's like taking your hands off the steering wheel. You know, it's, it's scary when you're used to depending on yourself and doing everything yourself. It's terrifying to let someone else make a decision. Um, But ultimately, You know, if you look at the worst case scenario of what's going to happen, worst case, they make a decision that you wouldn't have made and you correct them and you fix it next time, you know, but the actual worst case scenario for me is what's the consequence one year from now, if nothing changes, how am Mm. I going to feel if a year from now, I can't depend on anyone. I'm still doing everything myself. Like what's the risk for the business that I burn out? or that mm. I, I don't expand or that I can't take time off if I get sick or a family member gets sick. Like the, the consequence of inaction is very real. And I think that people often weigh the consequence of what they perceive as the action. But if you look one year from now at what's gonna happen if nothing changes, that's often much scarier.
0: Indeed, indeed. I often, I often tell my clients, you, know, if yeah. you can do nothing or you can do things now and in six months time you'll pay the price whatever whatever. that's so, right, that's
1: right. <laughs> I heard I heard it the other day in a podcast I forget what podcast but someone said if you look at yesterday of everything that you did if you relived that day over and over for the next 10 years what would your business look like mm. what would your marriage or relationship look like what would your family look like what would your friendships look like what would your body look like and I was like, ooh, this is true because in 10 years, we are, the, we are the product of those decisions that we made on a daily basis, right? And so yeah. like, you know, maybe my business would look amazing, but I didn't do any kind of workout yesterday. I didn't eat the healthiest that I could have, you know, like- I probably wouldn't look that good if I ate pizza and like didn't work out every, day. you know, like, you know, I have to start really thinking about these things. I'm a new yeah. mom, I have a baby and it's like, I'm I'm a lot more focused these days on my health and, you know, recovering from pregnancy and and thinking about making healthy choices for my family because mm. we are the product of our decisions, you know? Mm.
0: It's a great question, by the way. I'm going to steal it and use it in my coaching practice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did you, how did you
0: overcome like from being perfectionist, I know what it means, I used to be a perfectionist, to letting go. (laughs) So
1: for me, the way that I hacked my brain, I decided, uh, and I learned this from Tony Robbins, actually who I love. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, whatever the decision is that feels scary, part of the reason it feels scary is that you think this is a permanent decision, it's forever, it's final, I'm gonna do this thing and it's gonna change everything forever. And it's not true. He said, Instead of deciding this is a permanent change, run it like an experiment. Decide for the next three weeks or six months or whatever the time period is, I'm going to try this thing. And then after three weeks, I'm going to assess whatever it is, what was the outcome. And if it's looking good, I'm going to keep trying it. And if it's not looking good, I'm going to do something else. And I was like, oh, you know, and the idea of running it as an experiment is interesting because sometimes experiments fail, they don't work out. But you know that that's within the realm of reasonable outcomes. And so, Like, this is a terrible example, but like I, for the first 10 years of my business did not run a single ad because Mm. I was so careful. I don't have investors. I don't have rich parents. I'm doing this myself. And so my thought was, I can't spend money on an advertisement because if it fails, it's just a waste and it's horrible and it's expensive and there's no return on investment. I only spent time or energy on places where I was certain there was a return on investment. And since an ad, I wasn't certain I was scared. I wasn't willing to spend the money. And, you know, after taking his business mastery, I was Tony Robbins business mastery. I was like, okay, I'm going to try making an ad. I'm going to run it for two weeks. I'm going to give it a hundred dollar budget and just see, you know, Mm -hmm. like just see. And after two weeks, it was going great. We had seen a lot more clients. We had a great return on investment. And I was like, oh, this is working. And you know what, I'm going to try a different version of this. I'm going to A, B test it and see if something's going to work even better. You know, as it turns out, it didn't. The first version was better. But you know what, like we tried and it was worth it. And so, you know, this is true with with everything. Also for me, when it came to having help, I think I was under this perception that like you have to hire a full-time person and pay them a salary and it has to be this big, scary role. And that's just not true. You can hire a virtual assistant online Mm. one day a week two hours a week. It doesn't even have to be like, it could be a project based. It doesn't even have to be an ongoing relationship. Like you can try, let's just try what this VA is like for a week and see. And in fact, now I know as a time saver, if I have a project I want to do and I can delegate it to a virtual assistant, I'm going to hire like three and give them the first hour of work, whoever does the best work in that hour, I'm gonna keep moving forward with that person. So I'm gonna do like a working interview basically. And it's worth it for me to spend a little bit extra doing the same hour of work with three different people because if the task is write some marketing newsletters or write a blog, let's just see who's one I like the best. And then I'm gonna move forward with them as opposed to wasting a week working with one and then the next week working with another and the next week working with another. Let's just figure this out and fail fast if we're going to. But baby steps.
0: Yes, I was about, I was about to say like your main recommendation would be for anyone who is in your, for any entrepreneurs who is in your uh, situation, baby steps, one step after the other, experiment. Exactly. Yeah. And hire a coach.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Every, every year, um. Every year I treat myself to a coach and I've had different coaches over the years and I've learned so many different things from different people. Mm. Um, Do not go it alone. Get an accountability partner or a mentor or a coach. Get a coach who's in your industry, who's been there and done that. This is important. And also, you know, it's like professional football players don't go from their car to the field. There's a reason, right? Like there's a Mm -hmm. reason Olympic athletes have coaches we all have a blind spot when it comes to our own business when it comes to our goals to level up and for me it's just been a game changer working with professionals in different fields
0: yeah i'm really happy to hear yeah i know um when we uh talked before the um this interview today you mentioned also that you were fighting the imposter syndrome
1: yeah and so yeah. I would like
0: to talk a little bit about that because I have the sure. same problem and I am sure there's a lot of entrepreneurs out, out there with yep. the same issue.
1: It's a hard one. Yeah, mm. I think, you know, the, the imposter syndrome, so much of it is thinking about, you know, you're comparing yourself with others. You believe that all of your success is due to luck. Mm. Um, you might be saying to yourself, like, I don't belong here. I feel like a fraud. Um, You shy away from the spotlight and from recognition, fearing that if someone looks too closely, they're going to see, oh, you don't belong here. Um, And it it manifests as like cycles of depression, anxiety, um, stress. And it's that anxiety that's like, everything needs to be perfect. You know, I need to be (laughs) perfect. It's not done until it's perfect. There's a lot of self-criticism. There's a lot of comparing yourself to others. And, you know, I think it's very important that you first of all, examine the relationship that you have with mistakes, you know, with your own mistakes, because Mm -hmm. I know for me, I was having, I was making some mistakes and being so hard on myself and making it impossible for me to calmly learn from things. And I think like I had it in my head, I'm the only incompetent entrepreneur out there. Everyone else is just walking around knowing exactly what they're doing. And I'm the only one who doesn't know. And that's just not true. Um, And I feel like the anxiety that you feel directly corresponds to how harshly you're judging yourself. Mm. And, you know, the more anxiety you have, the harsher you're judging yourself. Um, And for me, the cure has been to take a step back, really look at how far I've actually come and remind myself, you know, of when I wanted what I currently have, Um, celebrate your achievements in a real way, don't just be like, okay, what's next? Like actually take a moment to celebrate your wins. Um, I actually have like a little gratitude folder on my, uh, on my desktop. That's, um, screenshots of all of the feedback that I've gotten from clients who have nice. had huge wins because of me. And I take screenshots of it and I put it there and whenever I'm feeling kind of down or like, I don't mm. know what I'm doing. I'll look at that folder and be like, yes, you do. It's yes, illegal, you do. Um,
0: Hall of Fame.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's really important because imposter syndrome really takes the fun out of being uh, an entrepreneur. It takes the fun out of the job. And so I think it is important that we address it and that we really work hard to, to remedy it within ourselves. And you know, there's, there's this idea too that like, I think people are afraid to brag about it, ab- about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I want people to celebrate their wins, to brag about it, to talk about it, because it gives other people permission to also talk about their success and acknowledge their success and, and celebrate their success. And I think if you're afraid that you're bragging about it, you're not bragging about it. Like you're, yeah. you're not like, that's, that's actually like the kind of person who is nervous that they don't want to celebrate it. Like that's exactly the kind of person who should be celebrating it, you
0: know? Mm. A, a question that I, that I use to, for myself, but also for, for others when it comes to imposter syndrome is what are you good at? So yeah. here's the question, that's the question for you. What are yeah. you good
1: at? What am I good at? Um, I am really great at seeing potential and opportunity in mm-hmm. others. Um, I'm really great at talking to people who are scared, who are nervous, who are you know, excited, but held back by their fears. Um, in massage, I'm really good at helping people feel better and more grounded in their bodies. Um, and really good at listening. Yeah. Mm. And I'm also, I'm really, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm really good. At, <laughs> and, now you're bragging. <laughs> right? Right now I'm bragging. I'm good, at, I'm good at helping people identify their strengths and uniquenesses. Mm. And, you know, one thing that I, I recommend often, because sometimes it's hard for us to see, like, what am I good at? What am, What makes me special? What makes me different? And I think if you ask yourself the question, If I stopped offering my services tomorrow, what would clients miss the most about working with me? What would they say they miss the very most? And that's the thing to lead with. That's the Mm. thing that makes you unique. That's the thing that makes you special. That's the thing that should be headline on your website, you know, and, and if you're also not really sure what they would miss, look at your reviews, look at what clients are saying about you. That's the thing they would miss, you know?
0: Nice. Um, what's next then where do you want to take the your business
1: so uh I want to open more locations for Mm -hmm. my my studio I was really sad that we had to close a couple during COVID Um, we we closed all of them for a few months but we had to permanently close two of them uh, and we lost those leases and the build out which was very painful Mm. and I just see I knew that if I was losing my space, probably quite a lot of business owners were also losing their space and that there would be some phenomenal real estate coming on the market. And I was right. And Mm -hmm. so for for the future, I see an expansion in my massage studios. Um, I see an expansion in my line of products. Um, I also do some consulting. I help wellness practitioners who want to start and grow practices. So I'd like to work more with wellness professionals in that space Um, and Uh, I also decided, this is a funny one, but I I really enjoy, have you ever heard of summer Fridays, like when you have Friday off for the summer? Sometimes Uh, corporate offices do no Fridays or early Fridays, you know, like you get off in the afternoon. So I decided I just don't like working Fridays, so I'm not going to work any more Fridays ever again. That's my new schedule, Monday through Thursday, and I'm happy with that.
0: You know what? I was just thinking about that this morning. I was like, Oh, that would be great to just have to just work four days a week.
1: Yeah. So decide, (laughs) decide, like as of this date, I'm no longer going to do it. This is my schedule. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's a lot of projects.
1: Decide and take massive action. So Mm. the, I love, I'm a very multi-passionate entrepreneur. I, I have a lot of exciting things that I enjoy doing. And for me with projects, If you can build a phenomenal team of support around you, you can do anything. You know, I think people have this misconception that a CEO has to do everything for the company. And it's not true. A CEO needs to understand where are the resources, where is the support, how can I delegate effectively, how can I build a team who can create something wonderful. And I've only been able to focus on projects like writing books or, you know, building courses or doing consulting because I have a phenomenal team on the ground that I've worked hard with. And, you know, I think also it can be really scary to depend on a team. And I will say as much as they are wonderful and I love them and they're phenomenal, I've also built systems that are scalable underneath that team. Mm. So during COVID, my operations manager who I brought on, she went to South Carolina and didn't come back. We lost her, right? Like she decided she needed to change her focus. Mm. And that was so scary to me because this is the person I was depending on. Uh, I had a new baby who was just a couple months old. I had a business that we didn't know what was going to happen with. And the person who was in charge of running all of it left, you know, but what saved us is that I have all of these systems very meticulously documented and processed in a learning management software. So, you know, being very clear on what the process is for every single thing that needs to happen in your business. And there's great software like Trainual or like Process Street um, such that, you know, you could give those directions to someone on the street and they could do them. That's the level of detail that I'm talking about for processes. So even if we did lose a team member, it's very easy to train and hire the next person because all of this is, is not living in my head or her head, it's living in the system. So that's been really important. And it also helps to scale because when you have multiple locations of a business, you wanna make sure that these processes, you can just pick it up, take it to the next place and put it in place. And it's just made things so much easier.
0: I think you're the first person telling me about processes. (laughs) I love (laughs) processes.
1: Yeah, because when you're training someone, right, like it's spent, you're spending time to train someone. And so whenever I train someone, I say, I want you to take notes, the kind of notes that you could hand them to a stranger and that person could do it. So not just sign in here. Here is the name to sign in. Here's the password to sign in. Here is, you know, when and how you're supposed to sign in, Mm -hmm. like exactly that level of detail. Like if I say, I want you to order Kleenex, you can go to my spreadsheet. Here's the brand that we order. Here's what it costs. Here's where we source it from. Here's how frequently we buy it. Here's the last time we bought it. Here's when it's going to be delivered. And that way you can just, it's automated at this point, business in a box.
0: Right. I feel the perfectionism in
1: you. (laughs) Maybe it's just that I'm a Virgo. There are some areas where it can help to be extremely organized. And if you're going to scale your business, you have to be organized. And in fact, this is something that I read in the E-Myth. I love that book, The E-Myth Revisited, Mm -hmm. The Entrepreneurial Myth. He talks about even if you have no intention of scaling your business, start your company as though you're going to franchise it write down everything, every process, because it will help you in the future. And the more organized you are, the easier it is. I also love Trello, that uh, organizational Mm -hmm. tool. Some people use Asana. There's so many great tools that are available for us. Um, Communication software like Slack or Homebase. Like there's just so many tools that you can use to make sure that you're on the same page and that you're organized. Um, And I do think that that's an area where it's okay to be a little bit uh, specific.
0: (laughs) Fair enough? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what are you the most proud of
1: I think this year when there was so much uncertainty and I had a new baby who was born March 24 you know we 10 days before I had just closed all locations and um a month later my operations manager told me she was leaving and I was at my very lowest point there are a lot of people who would have decided you know what this is the universe telling me to give up. I have a new baby. I'm a mom. I have a partner who has a job. Maybe it's time to just throw in the towel. Maybe it's time to just decide I'm not going to do business anymore because there was so much uncertainty. We, we're in New York City. We didn't know if or when or how we would reopen. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm the most proud of deciding like, you know what? If I don't try, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. I'm gonna just try. I'm gonna have some faith. Something's gonna work out. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how we're gonna afford it, but I'm just gonna try because I know if I give up, I will regret it. And mm-hmm. I'm really proud of myself for in that moment, like making that decision.
0: Yeah, and I can see, and I'm saying that because people won't see. It, yeah. but you're very emotional, uh, emotional about it right
1: now. It was a hard decision. It, yeah. it would have been easier in a lot of ways to say, you know what, I'm done. Like it would have yeah. been easier in some ways to walk away, but. I just felt like there's, there's gotta be something great that comes out of this. Like, where's the good in this? Where's the great in this? Like, what's good about this situation? There's a lot bad about this situation, but like, what's good about this? Mm. And I just remember thinking, you know, if I'm losing my locations, that means other people are too. And there's going to be an opportunity to pick up a location that's already built out that I don't have to pay, you know, so much money to build out. Cause it's so expensive when you don't have investors and you're doing it yourself, it comes out of your pocket, you know? And. Business will eat every dollar you have if you let it. You have to be Mm -hmm. very careful about how you spend money. And so um, I was taking that bet and I was right. I was right.
0: So like any good entrepreneurs, you looked at the opportunities.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I had a little faith that like, Mm. and, and thankfully we were able to get the EIDL loan. We were able to get the PPP loan. Um, everything I applied for, we received. So like I asked for help and we got it. And so we're actually in a very strong financial situation now, which I did not expect. Like mm-hmm. I, I I really thought, you know, it was a painful year. We, we lost more than half a million dollars in sales <laughs> by being closed. It was a very painful year. Um, but the fact that I was able to persevere, I feel like I have an emotional immune system that is stronger now like a more resilient emotional immune system if that makes sense no
0: yeah, it does it does completely makes you yeah. it made you stronger
1: yeah for sure yeah. if i can get through that we can figure other things out
0: indeed yeah. and uh, today if i had the ability to grant you one wish <laughs> what would it be
1: one wish gosh that's a hard one i want so many things <laughs> i want so many things um I mean, to end COVID would be, would be my biggest, you know, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a global wish, but it's causing so much distress in so many countries and so many people are suffering, um, you know, for, for the world, it would be to end COVID, Mm -hmm. um, for my business, it would probably be, um, an easy time finding additional locations to expand to.
0: (laughs) Because finding locations is not easy. Is that it's, not, easy. it's yeah.
1: not it's not easy and and um and you know there's good and bad in that every time you find a perfectly built out location that means another business had some some tragedy there you know mm. uh, maybe, maybe not tragedy maybe they just moved on to a different opportunity but you know i, I never want it to be at the expense of someone else but if i could find some beautifully built out locations that would be that would just make my day
0: <laughs> all right grunty there you go <laughs>
1: Fingers crossed.
0: If you look at your overall experience as an entrepreneur and you compile everything into one recommendation to other entrepreneurs, what would it be? Uh,
1: get help. Do not go it alone. Hire mm-hmm. a coach, mentor, accountability partner, but don't go it alone. Uh, it's very isolating being a business owner, and you don't know what you don't know. And having the experience, having having the experience of support and feeling held in your decisions and feeling guided can make the difference in success or failure.
0: So let me ask you another question then. How did you know that you needed help? How did you find it? Because I find this very difficult for people, you know, before they come to see me, for instance, they have to go through that process.
1: Yeah. I mean, so people reach out for help in all areas when they're in pain, right? Mm. Like when things are going great, We don't need help. We're fine. (laughs) When we're in pain, that's usually when we're motivated enough to take the action of of looking for help. So I knew that I needed help because I started to feel really burnt out and exhausted. And um, I was out of ideas. I was depressed. Uh, I I was so anxious. I started to take medication for anxiety. um, And I was in a really low place. I was very scared about the future, lonely, um, exhausted, burnt out. And I knew something has to change. Like this isn't like me. I'm usually a very positive, energetic, happy, excited person. And this is a a time where I can see this pattern and I don't know how to stop it myself. So Mm. I need someone else's advice. That's how I I knew it was time.
0: My podcast is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code?
1: I mean, I hope so, but there's always so much to learn. Like I have (laughs) so much more to learn. I know how to get... To five or 10 locations. I don't know how to get to 20. So if you know how to get to 20, let's talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on. <laughs> no, it's
1: a tough one.
0: Well, last question How can people contact you?
1: Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Bider. That's R A C H E L B E I D E R. That's the easiest place to find me.
0: Excellent. Well, Rachel, thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Bye bye.